Okay. Yeah, good response. <laughs> good response. Well, we're continuing our evangelism class, kind of wrapping this up, uh, I guess, in content today. Uh, next week is our last Sunday school for the summer, I guess you'd say. Uh, but we're going to do a little more interactive kind of uh, stuff next week and uh, more intentional kind of hands-on application. Um, by the time everybody leaves next Sunday school, everyone will be saved. Sound good? All right. I, oh, some. I just saying everybody will be because um, we're going to share the gospel. Um, but uh, if you have a handout, uh, you can follow along. They're at the back by the fire extinguisher. Uh, rather appropriate, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. Um, but uh, I digress. So intentional and strategic. That's kind of the last of the content-oriented Sunday schools that as we look at evangelism, we should be those two things, intentional and strategic. That is the, the topic for today. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.15, uh, we've heard this in this class before, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Paul was writing that to Timothy. Really, that's the gospel in a nutshell. And Jesus himself was very intentional with his purpose. And that's what he came to do, to save sinners. And that's what we want to share, that Jesus came to do that and share the gospel with others. But he really had a detailed plan. If you read the gospels, he had an intentional plan and a strategic plan, who he shared with, how he spent his time, all that good stuff. So that's what we'll look at this morning. But uh, And then the, you'll see those in the notes before I pray, those three things that we'll uh, look at uh, that will be intentional, identifying and removing barriers, that will build bridges for everyday life and eternal, for eternal conversations. And then the third one being intentional and strategic with your life, a little more focus on that. Um, but I want to pray for us, and then we'll dive into those three things. Let's pray. Father, do thank you and praise you for this time together, a time of learning, a time of gathering to uh, better know the, the gospel and to better and more effectively share it. I pray that you would um, just uh, grab our attention with this, wake us up even, help us to share Christ more effectively with neighbors and friends and Father, we thank you, and we love you, and pray these things in your name. Amen. Uh, strategy is kind of a, a, a buzzword, and people misuse it all the time, but strategy is really just about a plan, and so when we think about that. Um, but the first one uh, is being intentional in evangelism is to identify barriers to evangelism and remove them. That is a difficult thing. It's a normal season for us to go through busy seasons. I think we can identify with, with that and even as Christ followers and then just kind of like forget or eliminate the great about it as intentionally. And so there are three questions there listed in that part one to probe, uh, kind of find out why you might not be sharing your faith, why evangelism might be a hurdle for you. Um, and we'll look at those. And the first one is being, are you motivated to share the gospel? Do you really even desire and uh, that's a really hard thing at times, but do you desire to do what Christ has commanded you to do? Some of us would say we go through seasons, yeah, I don't really feel like doing that. I think most of us relate to the fear part when it comes to evangelism, but as we've said before, it doesn't matter how much you know, it just matters whether you 
will do it. Um, doesn't matter if you're introverted or extroverted, some of us. Show of hands, who are all the introverts in here? <laughs> yeah? Okay, you fell for it. All right. That's good. Most introverts say, no, no, okay. Um, Bill, hilarious. It's an ongoing joke. Bill Smith is the highest introvert I know. Um, his wife has to keep him on a leash from going and meeting too many people. That's what happens. But he's an introvert by nature, right, Bill? All the way. All right. But uh, desire is important. Desire and motivation, how we do that. Uh, Jonah, great example of this, right? Somebody uh, know, explain the story of Jonah real, real briefly. What did God tell Jonah to do? Go to Nineveh. We've all seen the VeggieTales version, right? All right. What do, you, what do you want him to do? To go and do what? Yeah, tell them to repent, right? And so Jonah uh, illustrates this perfect. He had everything he needed for evangelism. God had given him clear direction, clear transportation, all the rest, and he didn't do it. Why? Because he didn't want to do it, right? His motivation, his desire was lacking. We know how that story ends, and eventually God grabs a hold of his heart there. But if you think about it, we're a church, a gospel-centered church that we do talk about, uh, we're obviously doing this class because we want to equip and train people, but we talk about the gospel a lot. We want to reach out to our community a lot. And so you are a part of a church that wants to do that. And I would say that we are fairly decent at it, but we could all be better personally at it. And so when you're in that environment, even being saturated in that environment, it still requires you to actually desire it and be motivated to it. Um, Think about this question, maybe respond to this a little bit. What are some sinful motives for evangelism that you've seen? That's kind of a strange question, but what are some sinful motives from evangelism that you've seen? Like why people share the gospel? This is an interesting question. There's purpose in asking it. If it's on the tip of your tongue. Judgment? Sure. Yeah, that's good. So she said judgment, sinful pride, I'm better than you, kind of an elitist. How, get a tally because they would want to kind of like, I like led 30 people to the Lord. Jen? Yeah, yeah, a, a, a jewel in your crown, Steve. Yeah. Guilt. Yep. Is a big part of that. Yep. Um, yeah, I think understanding the right uh, reasons and motives for evangelism is key. And the first one, um, three good reasons why uh, it's good to evangelize. One, it's obedience. It's a command, right? Luke six forty six. there's a reference there. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Great commission was given to all the disciples. Uh, this is convicting for us, and, and we can be obedient Christ followers in terms of maybe pursuit of personal holiness and trying to flee from sin, and yet Christ tells us to share him with our lost neighbors and friends, to go, right? And so that's not somebody else's responsibility, that's our responsibility. 
And part of following God is sharing the gospel. You see that, as I said, in Matthew 28. Um, that, that's the first one. The second one is this, is if you really understand the lostness, people that are lost, they have no hope. And this is a huge one. Uh, people that don't know Christ, again, we understand this, are condemned to hell from their own sin. I want to show you a video. Some of you maybe have seen this. I think I've played it once before sometime in the last 10 years. Uh, do you know Penn and Teller, the magicians, the one really tall guy? He's Penn Gillette. He'll be giving this video. Um, he's an atheist, and yet the wisdom that he's going to share in five minutes about evangelism is pretty profound. Uh, so I'll just let him uh, reflect on an encounter that he had. You can turn your attentions towards the screen. Pretty empower, uh, powerful video here. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and, you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the, um, what I call the hover position, after I was all done, big guy, probably about my age. Big guy. And, um... He had been the, um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so he had the props from that in his hand because we'd give those away. He had the, for the joke book and the, and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, uh, it's not worth explaining. We had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't. I was here last night at the show and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted. He was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, "I brought this for you." And he handed me a uh, Gideon Pocket Edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm I'm sane, I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive. And he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because 
it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, but that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like to show and so on. And then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man that gave you that book. That's all I wanted to say. You would be correct that I just used an atheist to teach us about evangelism. That's pretty profound, right? That's extremely profound. Uh, I have seen that years and years ago. Um, but, I mean, there's a guy that professes uh, nothing, essentially, that doesn't believe in God. Uh, clearly, I mean, you probably did the Christian judgment thing. The Psalms isn't even in the New Testament. He doesn't have education around, around that, right? And then he asked this question, how much do you have to hate somebody to not share the gospel with them? That's pretty deep. That's pretty profound that, that he respects that. Whatever God did and sowed that seed in his life, but he respects that. Um, people are lost. First, it's obedience. It's a command from Christ. Second reason is that people are lost, which he kind of unpacked for us there. And then the third, that we should share the gospel for God's glory. A famous pastor and theologian said it this way, all of history is moving towards one great goal, the white-hot worship of God and his Son among all the peoples on earth. Missions, not the goal. It is a means to that end, right? That, that everyone will bow before Jesus Christ, every tongue will confess, every knee will bow. Um, what he's saying is that we're not commanded to do evangelism for evangelism's sake. We're commanded to do it. It brings God glory when you do it that way. That's his plan. That's what he deserves. Um, and so that's the first part. Are you motivated for that based on the command of Christ, the fact that people are lost, and that it brings God glory when you share? Uh, so that's the first part. The second question and ask of the three um, is, are you equipped for evangelism? Uh, I was going to put this on the screen. I don't need to do it. The, the bridge illustration, many of you, I was going to draw it for you, but you've probably seen it. Uh, the, the chasm between the two, you can draw it different ways, the two sides and then cross in the middle, and Jesus is the bridge, but you have to explain first the, the sin and separation, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23 kind of bridges that. Uh, understanding fall, 
and separation from God. A lot of people that say all their life, well, I've known God forever or understand that. No, we've been separated by sin. And then, uh, you know, the only way to God is through the cross. And then it gives you uh, opportunity, John three sixteen, other verses that, that demonstrate God's love in Christ. But that's a big part of it is are you equipped? Some of us might say, well, we're not equipped, which is why even next uh, Sunday we're going to try to kind of work through, uh, practice some of that, if you will. Um, but evangelism is kind of one of these things like takes a minute to learn and, and tactics. But when you talk about relationships and wanting to invest in people, um, maybe that's a little more challenging way. But Romans, uh, the Romans Road verses are good ways uh, to unpack. If you need more information about that, I can certainly um, get you that stuff. Um, so motivation comes from that second factor. Are you equipped? It also comes from this question is, are you available? Which is this, are you physically available to do evangelism? I find this happens a lot in our church body, and I've even had people kind of confront me with this. Like, are you around lost people a lot? When you're invested in a church body and when you grow in leadership in a church body, typically we like to hang around other Christians, right? Um, I know, I, I, Steve, I'll use this example with you, but I, one of the reasons why uh, I try to invest in community things because I'm around Christians so much and I want to be around lost people. Uh, Steve was sharing, if you don't mind me sharing this, um, that he was just busy with so many things around here in ministry and he said, I got to let something go. And he's involved in their condo association. Uh, and he's thinking that God, he was talking to me and said, I think I'm going to let that go. And I said, no, don't do that. That might be one of your only environments where you're around a lot of lost people and not church people. So like I was challenging him to say, if you're going to let something go, let it be a ministry thing. Because we can't forfeit those environments that were around unbelievers. Uh, that's one of the, the reasons I make an effort. I coach my kids sports. I wanted to be in the community uh, playing basketball in the mornings. I want to be around lost people as much as I can just as a peer to people. And, and I typically, I don't tell people I'm a pastor. I never do that. If they find out in a small community, most of them know anyways. Uh, but I'd rather have them like not, not I'd, I'd rather have them be able to reconcile that rather than when they find out go, huh, wow, okay, that's different. I'd rather go, yeah, that makes sense or something like that. But you need to be around unbelievers. Um, yeah, go ahead. Wow. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and you can't forsake you can't forsake those things. Again, we love the community of the Christian environment, but um, you need to make an effort to be in things in the community, be in environments where you're around lost people on a daily basis. Um, I can already tell I'm not going to get through all of this stuff, but I'm going to attempt it anyways. So that's the first one is uh, uh, that, that barrier, if you will. The second thing is in your notes there you'll see is being intentional in turning commonplace conversations into external exchanges. This is an art in a sense. Like how do you do that with people that you know probably don't know the Lord? Like how do you bridge that to a conversation about Christ? Um, we'll discuss a little bit about that as you think about these things. And there's four tips that I'll work through in this. Um, the first one is that you need to pray for wisdom to know, and there's this fill in the blank here, how quickly you should move towards sharing the gospel. I think I used this last week when we talked about uh, the person that's come in our office with Sherry. It's like you don't want to, um, you know, go there right away if you're developing a relationship with somebody. Uh, you can develop that relationship, but there are reasons and ways you don't want to delay that, of course. It comes, uh, each encounter is different, but, um, you know, whether you meet somebody, and I know a lot of people have this story, uh, on an airplane, you're probably not going to see them ever again, right? Um, and it's, isn't it funny that, like, we're scared to share the gospel with people that we're probably never going to see again? Like, I mean, that's weird, right? It's like when you go new places and it's like embarrassment or like, and so I've heard people tell me like, you know, I'm on an airplane and you strike up a conversation with somebody and you can get to know them, but you're probably not going to go really deep with them. Uh, and, and the only awkward part is if they start following you around to the baggage claim, getting the same Uber, all that stuff. Wouldn't even be awkward though if it was a good conversation. Uh, but you got to understand that like if you meet somebody on vacation, all of those things, think about opportunities, but how quickly should you, and that's why I say pray about how quickly. Uh, you can pray. I don't know if you knew this. It's free today. Um, you can pray while you're having a conversation with somebody. It's amazing. God understands, uh, and you can be doing that while you're talking to somebody, and I, I often do that when I meet with people. I try to, I think I've shared that before, uh, uh, influential pastor kind of made it a practice as, as he walked through every threshold that he ever walked through. He made a point to pray that God would open his eyes to the spirit. So every door, whether he's walking into a restaurant, back into his home, through these doors, into this building, like God, give me the words to say. Um, that's a good thing to ask God. And, and you can do that even as you're talking. When you're listening to somebody, I think I used this example last week, and they're saying things that are false or incorrect. Like you can just briefly pray like God help me answer that or help me not answer that. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but how quickly you should move towards sharing the gospel, um, pushing through that awkwardness and praying. The second tip, sowing seeds with your words and deeds. This is huge in relationships uh, where you have more time to build relationships with friends, families, coworkers, neighbors. Um, don't be fooled by the fact that you know these people uh, better. Sharing the gospel is still urgent, right? So you think when you know them better, like, and they know where you stand, it's not as urgent. That's why family is so dear to our hearts when they're lost. Um, but we have to have a little more uh, long-term strategy in mind, per se. So this blend of urgency and a long-term. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But we think of Colossians 4, 5, and 6. We read this last week. 
that you have to walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer a person. You, I, I, I don't really like to quote the Fran, uh, St. Francis of Assisi, you know, preach the gospel at all times and sometimes use words. I, I get it, and, and I'm even, there's a point in here about that with deeds and actions, but the gospel is a gospel of words, right? So it's about Christ. So you can't just be okay with just your deeds and actions. Like, well, I'll just serve them. I'll just show them the love of Christ. At some point, you need to preach the gospel, share the problem of sin and the answer, the solution in Christ. Um, and so uh, thinking about that and blending, but sometimes, again, you need to pray about what you should not say over what you should say. It's interesting that conversation, if you were going to dissect the conversation that, that Penn Jillette just shared with this guy who came up after one of his magic shows, uh, you could argue that he wasn't as faithful with the gospel, right? Like he just handed him a Bible. Uh, it was likely, my guess is the Gideon New Testament and the Psalms. That's how they're packaged there. Um, so he'd read that. But that was what he did. And you could say, well, he didn't actually share the gospel. Um, you know, and maybe that was just the context of knowing he's an atheist. He's probably going to shut him down. I don't know. Uh, but, but sometimes it's, it's not always what you say. Uh, it's how you act and respond in a situation. Uh, that's why I said what I said about, I don't tell people I'm a pastor. I want them to know that, that, that I'm a different person. Sometimes by what you don't say, like people are curious about that. When you play basketball in the morning, there's a lot of expletives when shots are missed. Um, and, and a lot of people know I'm there. And we're playing at a Lakeside Lutheran High School. Like, and, and kid you not, at center court, up on the, in the old gym, there's a picture of Jesus. Like right there. And I always wonder with some of these guys, like, yeah, I'm not judging the foul mouths, but I'm always wondering, like, no, he's watching you, right? You know, you get that sense. It's just a picture of the white blue-eyed Jesus and the whole thing. We get that. But it's this idea of, like, if they don't hear me talk like that, maybe they are curious. There's a change. It's not that I'm better than, it's just that I'm different than. Uh, if people ask, like, neighbors might ask you, why don't you gossip about people? Well, I hope they ask that about you. Why don't you complain? Why don't, you know, why don't you complain when life is hard and all that stuff? And so you can pray for wisdom how to answer them, but you're forming a relationship with them in you're sowing the seeds, right? And that's what that guy was doing with Pendulette with the Bible. That's what you can do. Uh, you can, these are practical things. You can mention something like this. Uh, I went to church this morning, and this is what I learned. We were studying this. You can bridge gaps, spiritual conversations to people just as you talk to them. Um, uh, this is what I'm, God's teaching me in my discipleship group. Uh, there's practical tips for that, but it's sowing seeds in people's lives in the gospel. And this is a huge one, tip three here, be observant of people. We don't do this as often as we should. Um, you, who loves to people watch? We all do, right? You could sit in a mall and like watch people and you talk about like, oh, look at this guy coming, like wonder about him. Um, you could tell crazy stories. My point is this, be observant, uh, be alert in conversations with people, listen to what they care about, what kind of interests they have. Um, look at what they wear. Don't be creepy, right? Um, but ask them what they're, they're reading. Uh, ask them, like, what their, their recreation is. Be observant with people. Find ways to bridge a gap 
Uh, you can even do that through kindness. If you know a neighbor likes or loves a particular something, get them a gift. You know, this isn't to, like, uh, you know, manipulate because you can't do that. That's the foundation of evangelism, but it is to love them. Say, I, I pay attention to you. Remember who you are? Representatives of a God who pays attention to every detail about us, right? You can operate out of love that way. Like, I pay attention to, like, who you are as an ambassador of Christ in that way. Um, so that's a really important thing. And then this last one, this is a little uh, tricky for us. We don't quite understand this completely. But you need to prepare for conversations. Um, think about what you're going to say, how you're going to say it. Uh, how many people have had this experience where you know you're going to encounter a lost person, somebody that doesn't trust Christ, and you, like, kind of rehearse it, and then you're like, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to do it this time. And then you don't do it. Anybody relate to that? The preparation part's important, though. And, and I think as you go, you will have more, uh, I guess, urgency and, and more follow-through in, in that you do that. You know, I, I've shared before, I have been prompted by the Holy Spirit numerous times in my life, and I have just completely ignored him, just walked away. And, like, and then I will ask God based out of a kind of a right, healthy conviction in that, right? Not a guilt, but I'll ask God, can you give me another opportunity? And then, <laughs> this is comical, we know this, gives you another opportunity, and what do you do again? Ah, ha, ha, ha. Okay, third time's a charm, yeah? But you can, you can prepare through that, like, what would I say to this person in this situation, and what kind of, what kind of bridge? Uh, I went fishing with a neighbor that we used to live by, and um, he, I, I do like fishing, but um, I'm just going to be honest, I didn't really want to go fishing with him. Like, it would just, our, but I love this guy, and it was like, you know, uh, a time where I decided, yeah, I'm going to go fishing, because that's what, he, and he's invited me to do it. And I was thinking about that the whole time, like, what would we talk about, and we'll talk about certain things, but when will I ask him? And I did, I remember asking him, like, um, and this is a guy that he told me he was a member at a church, he just couldn't remember the name of the church. I hope our members at least know the name, all right? But, uh, so it kind of tells me a little bit of maybe where he was. No, just a church relationship. But I remember asking him, like, uh, I asked him that question, and there's many questions you can ask. So what do you think, what do you think is going to happen when you die? Like, that's just a generic question, right? But we had had some conversations about stuff like that, and so I just asked him, and we ended up having a conversation that he was very religious-minded, if you will. And then you can kind of prompt him. We were fishing, and um, I didn't do the whole, you know, Jesus caught men, not fish. Like, that's weird, right? No, his context wasn't important. It was just like we had a conversation. Why do you think that? It wasn't argumentative. He had a relationship with me. Um, Carrie and I still pray for them, and we're not entirely sure where they are. But uh, you can prepare for that. You can think about ways, scriptures that are on your heart, things that God is teaching you to use with others. Uh, so those are four tips. Any comments, brief questions about that? I only have a few minutes here. Identifiable? Good. All right. Um, the last point then uh, of those three is the, the number three on your handout there is be intentional and strategic with your life. This is like not forgetting who you are and what your purpose is. Right? When you're a great commission-minded person who has a bunch of stuff on their plate, who's busy with a bunch of activity, who has a bunch of responsibility, at the end of the day, like this is what Jesus calls us to. 
Like, he calls us to do many things, but at the end of the day, who are we as left on this earth to bring him glory through sharing the gospel with others, to live that out and, and share that? He's commissioned us as ambassadors. And so these four things, at least, is we should be devoted to praying. That's why we asked at the very beginning of this time together that you wrote down the names of three people or three couples or however you wanted to do that, uh, that you would be praying for. That's huge. If you know fundamentally and foundationally that you cannot save somebody, as we've covered many times in this class, that God has to open their eyes, you should go and ask God to do that faithfully. Um, you, we know this about prayer, right? People ask us all the time on the, the opposite side, like, well, if God does everything and he's sovereign anyways, the praying doesn't matter. God uses our prayers in association with his sovereign will to carry out what he desires in his plan. We know this. So pray about this. Pray for open doors, opportunities. Pray for wisdom. Pray for courage to speak when God has you in those environments and say, God, I'm not going to ignore this. This person knows where I stand. That's, I mean, I watched that again this morning after I had prepared to, to use it through the week, and I just watched that clip again of Penn Jillette, and I was like, how, like, convicting is that? That question, how much do you have to hate somebody? How much do you have to hate somebody to just be silent about their eternity? Like, that, that should, that's, I watched it this morning. I was like, man, like, I've watched evangelism videos, listened to sermons, and I, that's why I showed that clip. Five minutes is just another, like, kick in the pants to, like, wake up. And we should pray that God would give us a boldness for that as a people. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is, uh, about that preparing. First uh, Peter 3.15, um, in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer. We've covered this in this class to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. That's something that I want to look at next week and kind of rehearse. Uh, many believers don't know how to respond. Just like with a brief, this is different than your testimony. Like if, if somebody asks you, like, why is this so important? Or why, why, why is this message so dear to you? Like, how do you, how do you just say that? How do you respond to the hope that you have in Christ? Because a lot of times you feel like we need to defend it. There's an, there's an atheist who was like almost receiving this in some powerful way. Even like, he's a pretty outspoken atheist um, in, in, in all that you like read about him and all that he says. And he's moved by that. Like, that, that that response was genuine enough. And, and so with our words, we have to be prepared to do that. We should spend good time reading Scripture, memorizing Scripture. That's why the Romans wrote verses. I, I learned these as a very young kid uh, in Awana. That's why our kids at Awana, it's really important. Uh, the program centers a lot around Scripture memory. So these kids can bury the Word in their heart. They're still able to share with their friends. But they can use God's Word to share the Gospel with others. That's why... Uh, preparation that way. You could buy uh, Bibles, copies that you could give, just like that guy. You can purchase gospel tracts, whatever you want to use um, that, that you travel with, but are you prepared in that way? And, and, and they always say, like, if you don't make a plan, plan to fail, fail to plan, plan to fail. That's, that's kind of true of evangelism. If you're not being intentional and strategic about it and thinking about that, like, intentionally, like prepared to have those conversations, you're certainly not going to have them. Even when you're prepared, sometimes you don't have them. But rehearsing the scriptures, knowing the gospel, knowing how to share uh, one verse, 
two verses, three verses, whatever it is. Maybe you, which we'll practice next week, um, maybe writing the bridge or drawing the bridge illustrations for people. I know that if people have come to Christ at restaurants because people have drawn them on a napkin, like just a visual, and it's a great visual tool that we'll look at uh, next week. You could read biographies of people who dedicated their life to proclaiming the gospel, Hudson Taylor in China. You can, you can just saturate yourself with evangelism for the sake of being better at evangelism. Um, yeah, 315. Yep, always be prepared to give an answer, a defense for the hope that you have. Uh, apologists really, yeah, um, kind of live by that verse, especially street evangelists, that they uh, get so many different confrontations and people that are, are true apologists. Uh, um, I know like his reputation was uh, marred by uh, infidelity, but uh, Robbie Zacharias, one of the smartest people that I've ever listened to, answering questions about um, uh, eternity and faith and uh, kind of dismantling, a lot of times dismantling young college kids that think they knew everything from academia. Um, and so that takes a lot of preparation. That doesn't happen overnight, and that's reading widely. That's knowing the scriptures well, uh, the story of the gospel. And then these two more, uh, always be pursuing opportunities to share the, the gospel with those near you. Um, neighbors, inviting them into your homes, meals together. Uh, do you have non-Christian, non-believing people as a regular part of your world? You have to seek that out, especially as we started, like we're around Christians all the time. Like I have to be intentional about those relationships with people. We're investing in community, coaching a, a youth sport, being in a league. You know, we, um, we have tension in this as like we formed like rec leagues and like do we want a church team to be put together? I'd rather not have a church team and rather have you be a part of people that like use curse words in front of Jesus' picture, right? Not for the sake of those words, but for the, for the sake of being invested in relationships rather than this is a church softball team because everybody judges a church softball team anyways, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, they're probably not that good at softball, but they love Jesus and you know what you're going to get there. But if you have one person on a team with friends, that's a super important thing. This is coworkers uh, talking to the people that you see every day. Uh, this is prayerful intentionality, strategy to be prepared for that. And then this last one, uh, and, and this is why we emphasize this at our church body. In our church body is always be pursuing opportunities to get the gospel with those far away. It's why global missions is so important, uh, disconnected from the local church a lot, but why we try to make those partnerships more impactful and deep is because when we understand what the rest of the world is doing and when we understand what our global missionaries are doing, kind of gives us a perspective that it's not in our own little world. It helps us in our local world if we get it right because they're off doing all these things and they're not, uh, they're not doing anything different than we are. They're just doing it in a different place. Um, and so to give to those things and sacrifice in those ways to help support that should infuse life back into local evangelism. And that's the point in that. Often is the case what usually happens. We give to global missions and we feel like, evangelism is covered, right? We cannot and agree that that's a lot how the church treats it. Like if I give to missions, I've done my great commission duty. It should just fuel us to come back into our local world and say, hey, like they're doing this over there because they love Jesus and they want the gospel known. We need to be doing that here, right? It's why this whole short-term missions, missions thing, it's why 
missions has evolved over the years. We don't need, uh, like, Americans to come on short-term mission trips to, to save those people. We can go and equip people to share the gospel, our brothers and sisters, but we don't, we don't always need to go overseas to share the gospel. We have lost neighbors and friends right around us. And so think about that. But one of the ways that you can increase your love for evangelism and usefulness is by going on a short-term trip. And I think we can all, if you've been on a short, how many people have been on a short-term mission trip? You could probably identify with this. It's probably a greater blessing to you in many ways than it was to the people you were serving, right? In so many ways. But that is a good thing that it would infuse life into your evangelism and, and, and give you tips and tools and, and an awareness for lost people. And so I would say if you've never been uh, on a short-term trip of any kind, you should go um, and, and take hold of that and to, of course, give towards missions, pray for missions um, and, and all, all of that good stuff. Um, we're real close to the end here. Questions about intentionality and strategy? I could talk for hours. I do talk for hours. Yeah. Anything? Next week, I want to be clear on this. Next week, um, come prepared to be a little more participatory um, in in come prepared maybe with some scripture an idea of the bridge illustration maybe a tool you use we're going to partner up we're going to pray for some people uh maybe even your testimony it might look a little different in, in different groups but real practical kind of like application in that so if 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 you're not here i will have guessed that you just didn't want to be participatory all right but if you are here it will be helpful and some of these times like sometimes like that we have rare moments where you can just like like experience kind of a mock conversation, they're helpful. That's why you practice things with people that are safe to practice those with and uh, share your testimony. And again, if you can't do it with a fellow believer who's trying to encourage you and do the same thing, who can you do it with, right? So uh, that's what next week will look like. I'm going to pray for us. We'll uh, fellowship time and then we'll join together at 1030. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for grace and mercy at the cross. Thank you for loving us, those who have placed our faith in Christ, uh, to open our eyes to the, the beauty and wonder of the gospel that we who were far away from you, disconnected by our own sin and headed towards uh, an eternity in hell apart from you, you opened our eyes, uh, fulfilled your law and uh, went to the cross and died a sinner's death for us, taking that payment on himself that we didn't have to and that we who trust in that um, trust in him as our lord and savior are born again into eternal life and we have nothing to fear and father you've kept us here for a reason to share this news of course we have good gifts on this earth to enjoy family and friends and and uh, all the good gifts you've given us in creation but we have way more to look forward to and father our goal is to be evangelists that take uh, with us uh, all the people that we can in, in our circles uh, to have them know the Lord. And so help us to do that. Help us to come back next week eager to even just participate and get some tangibles and practical time together to help be more effective. And so even though that might be a scary thing for some of us, I pray that it would be something that we would look forward to. And Father, just uh, pray that you'd be glorified this morning as we worship together and uh, exalt Christ. We pray these things in your name. All God's people said, amen. You are dismissed. Go get kids if you have them. Go get some coffee if you need it.